0: You're listening to L Town Radio, the Livingston Library
1: podcast. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the November 2020 episode of L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library podcast. My name is Joe. I'm a librarian in the Adult Services and Acquisitions Department here. In this episode, Archana will tell us about some programs ahead on our calendar, one about Millionaire's Row, featuring historical interpreter Eric Nelson, and one on interior design basics from design expert Marcy Cooperman. Jessica will tell us about the return of the Bookish Vibes Club. Katie will give us the scoop on some of the most eagerly anticipated books coming to the library in November, and in the spirit of this festive feasting season, the podcast crew will share some of our favorite food-related books and films. But first, I want to tell you about some things I love, namely local newspapers and old-timey writing. Every time I go to a new town, I try to find and read whatever local newspapers I can get, the kind that are usually... Uh, freely available in diners or in boxes on the sidewalk. And even if there's rarely any dramatic stories in these papers, I'm always just fascinated by these windows into ordinary life in various places. That's one reason I, I frequently find myself in the local history room of our library, where we keep archives of our local paper, the West Essex Tribune, going all the way back to 1929. And sometimes I do indeed go all the way back to that time, just to see what the news was in our town many years ago, and not just to learn about old facts and events, but because I love the way people wrote back then. I don't know why, and I don't necessarily know where this love for old-timey language came from, though I have a hunch it might be due to my childhood obsession with The Simpsons and the way that characters like Grandpa Simpson and Mr. Burns always cracked me up. Anyway, I was leafing through some of the old West Essex Tribunes, and I found a couple of items I just had to include on the podcast here. By the way, even though our local history room is still closed to the public for the time being due to the pandemic, if you ever want to dig into the archives yourself, you can do that starting at our website, livingstonlibrary.org. Near the top of our home page, where you see collections, just hover over that, and then click on the menu that pops up. Click on Resources A to Z, and on that page, scroll down the alphabetical list until you get to Local History Archive. Click on that, and then on that page, click on Tribune. Near the top, that'll bring you to a digital archive of the West Essex Tribune issues going back to 1929, and you don't even have to get 90-year-old Newsprint all over your fingertips. Alright, well here is one item I wanted to read here. This is from the Jots and Tittles column that was written by Hilda Rux, and this is from the issue dated Friday, November 28, 1930. Eureka, what a life. The insidious thing about a vacuum cleaner salesman is that you don't know he is one. And your best friend doesn't get a chance to tell you before he is closing up his little order book with your name lying in a somewhat bewildered fashion on the dotted line. We were awaiting our favorite radio program one morning this week, eagerly awaiting, one might say, when the doorbell rang. Absent-mindedly we answered it, and there it was, a salesman, selling vacuum cleaners. Not ordinary vacuum cleaners, you understand, but a super superior article that was the answer to the maid's and housewife's prayer. He talked volubly about this and that new device. He puffed with pride in its virtues. He gloated with pleasure in its beauty. He pointed out, in papa's fashion, its charm, its unusualness, its ultra-ultraness, and then snorted when he told us the price. He made us feel as though the machine was not only a bargain, but a gift. He was really favoring us by permitting us to buy it. And, in the meantime, our program was advancing. We were firm. We would not sign on the dotted line, nor on the line that was not dotted. We had a very strong prejudice against a vacuum cleaner itself to say nothing of the man who would sell one. We told him he was wasting time, and we were becoming just a bit impatient to get to the radio. We looked at our watch several times, and tapped an irritable foot. But it availed us nothing. Instead of stepping from our parlor where the demonstration was held and which now resembled the wake of a typhoon, he began at the beginning of his story. But, you know, even wives have limits to their patience. And so we sighed relievedly with the echo of his last footfall had died in the corridor. We rushed to the radio and tuned in. Ah, sweet bliss. Sweet vacuum cleanerless bliss. On, on radio. But no, wait. What were they singing about? Could it be they were singing about vacuum cleaners? We leapt from our chair, rushed into the hall, flew down the stairs, and called madly after the departing salesman Hey, come back! We've made a mistake! And tremblingly affixed our name to the little dots. We then returned to the house and smashed the radio. <laughs> At any rate, we were not swept off our feet, as one matron in our neighborhood who narrated a little episode of Almost Fatal Proportions that happened a short time ago. Mrs. X, we'll call her Mrs. X, was also confronted one morning by a salesman who had the super superior machine of the world. However, she had not been waiting for a radio program, and she was not only listened to his monologue, but even consented to give the cleaner a trial, and told him he might call back the following day, which he did, only to find that Mrs. X had had a call from another cleaner man, and had purchased the second vacuum machine from the man who was still there. There ensued a very interesting spectacle of the two fellows, each declaiming his rival's goods, and loudly pointing out his machine's preeminence. In the course of the fray, one of the machines was accidentally turned so that all the dirt was blown into the room. Unfortunately for the rivals, Mrs. X had just finished hanging clean white curtains, and the dirt put an end to the whole shebang, resulting in there being a very much torn-up order slip, and no signature on any dotted line. Well, I'll be back with another item from the West Essex Tribune. But first, to tell us about some programs coming up next month, here's Archana.
2: Hello, podcast listeners. I'm librarian Archana Chiplunker, and I'm very excited to share with you a couple of library programs that are coming away virtually in November. The first program is on November 5th at 7 p.m., and it's called Millionaire's Row on the Palisades. Now, in the latter half of the 19th century, Uh, Unique and often lavish homes were built upon the precipices of the New Jersey Palisades, overlooking the Hudson River and New York. And fittingly, this area eventually came to be known as Millionaire's Row, since all the estates were rather grand and they served as homes, and in many cases summer homes, to sugar barons, wealthy merchants, and even showmen like John Ringling of circus fame. In 1900, the Palisades Interstate Park Commission was formed to help preserve the cliffs from quarry blasting. Then, as George Washington Bridge was being completed, John D. Rockefeller Jr. started buying up the estates in the Palisades to further protect the area from overdevelopment. He later donated this land to the Park Commission to build the Palisades Interstate Parkway. It's a beautiful and scenic highway that travels through the Palisades today and all the way up to Bear Mountain in New York, which, incidentally, I happened to visit with my family a couple of weekends ago. Now, part of the land deal... Uh, was that all the man-made structures within the Palisades had to be removed. So the mansions were torn down, and Milliners Row was no more, except for a few remnants. Now we are going to have Eric Nelson, a historical interpreter at the Palisades Interstate Park, who will present through images and narrative the story of the grand estates, of the families and the servants who lived in them, And he's going to give us a glimpse of the Gilded Edge. So hope to see you at that program. The second program for November is home-based. This is on November 12th at 7 p.m. Now, as we know, we're all spending so much time at home nowadays, and we can all make use of some tips and trips to make our living spaces more comfortable and comforting. Join design expert Marcy Cooperman, as she covers the three concepts that are most important to making a comfortable and well-designed living space according to the principles of interior design. So she will talk about things like the floor plan of a house, the colors you use and the style of your furniture. I'm sure this is gonna be a very interesting program. Hope to see you in the Zoom chat rooms for both of these. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Archana. And now, another excerpt from the archives of the West Essex Tribune. Roseland Pastor Saves Chicken's Life. Published Friday, November ninth, 1929. Poor little Mabel, a pet chicken belonging to Miss Ada Dixon of Eagle Rock Avenue. Mabel had been limping around for three weeks. Her guardian, Miss Dixon, had been worrying and telling the neighbors about her pet until one peaceful day she burst wildly into Mrs. Harry Durland's home and yelled, "'Look what I found wrong with Mabel!' The poor little thing had a ring on her leg, and the flesh had grown around the ring. Mrs. Durland bravely pulled the ring loose, whereupon an artery broke and blood spurted from the hen's shapely limb. Bedlam broke loose until Reverend William L. Huntsman appeared on the scene, to quote Newton Derland, he pressed his finger on the artery while I ran and got a bandage and he wrapped the leg up tight. The chicken was comforted during these tragic moments of his life by the crooning and petting of Miss Dixon and Mrs. Durland. Now the chicken is almost recovered and to celebrate she has laid a great big egg. This was the first time Mr. Huntsman ever gave first aid to a chicken. And now, to tell us about next month's bookish vibes, here's Jessica.
0: Hello Livingston Public Library, it's adult services and acquisitions librarian Jessica here. I am super excited. Why am I so excited? Because the Livingston Public Library's bookish vibes book club is back virtually. Bookish Vibes is all about vibing with a great read, and it's the perfect place for bibliophiles to come and discuss books with their bookish thoughts and what they're currently reading. During our Bookish Vibes meetings, we will be discussing fiction titles by popular and trending authors, and the best part, authors will be zooming in to select Bookish Vibes meetings in the future. Our first Bookish Vibes meeting will take place on Monday, November 9th. We know that you're busy right now and might not want to take the time to read a whole novel. I know that with everything going on in the world that I'm having trouble concentrating on reading too. So for the first few Bookish Vibes meetings, we invite you to discuss a novel by the selected author that you have read and loved. But if you haven't read anything by that author, don't worry. Copies of a selected title will be available for you to check out from the library. Discussion will open by talking about the selected novel, and then branch out to the author's other works and our own bookish thoughts. During our November 9th meeting at 7 p.m. through Zoom, we will be discussing books by Mary Alice Monroe. Personally, I adored her Beach House series, which I read out of order and have reread many times. Copies of Mary Alice Monroe's latest standalone novel will be available behind the patron services desk. I can't wait to get bookish with you, and I really hope to see you there. See you soon. Bye.
1: Thank you, Jessica. Now, if you're looking for some good ideas about what to read in November, here's Katie to tell us about some of the most eagerly awaited books being published next month.
3: Hi, everyone, this is Katie, Head of Adult Services and Acquisitions here at the Livingston Public Library, and I'm going to be going over some upcoming November reads. November has finally crept up on us, and it's time to see what new releases are out this month. Grab your favorite blanket, some warm apple cider, and be thankful for the following reads. The first book on the list is out November 3rd, and it's this time next year We'll Be Laughing by Jacqueline Winspear, and it's a memoir. An eye-opening and heartfelt portrayal of a post-war England we rarely see, this time next year we'll be laughing, is the story of a childhood in the English countryside, of working-class indomitability and family secrets, of artistic inspiration and the price of memory. Also out on November 3rd is a contemporary fiction, White Ivy by Susie Yang. Filled with surprising twists and offering sharp insights into the immigrant experience, White Ivy is both a love triangle and a coming-of-age story, as well as a glimpse into the dark side of a woman who yearns for success at any cost. November 10th brings us a contemporary fiction, The 30 Names of Night by Zane Jukadar. The author of the vivid and urgent, important and timely debut, The Map of Salt and Stars, returns with this remarkably moving and lyrical novel following three generations of Syrian Americans who are linked by a mysterious species of bird and the truths they carry close to their hearts. We have Fortune and Glory by Janet Ivanovich, a mystery and thriller on November 10th. It's the 27th entry in the number one New York Times bestselling series, and it isn't just the biggest case of Stephanie Plum's career. It's the adventure of a lifetime. November 10th, we also have the memoir, I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are by Rachel Bloom. In the vein of Mindy Kaling, Ali Wong, and Amy Poehler, a collection of hilarious personal essays, poems, and even amusement park maps on the subjects of insecurity, fame, anxiety, and much more from the charming and wickedly funny creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. November 10th brings us also Dearly, New Poems by Margaret Atwood, a poetry collection. In Dearly, Margaret Atwood's first collection of poetry in over a decade, Atwood addresses themes such as love, loss, the passage of time, the nature of nature, and zombies. We have Goodbye Phone, Hello World, 65 Ways to Disconnect from Tech and Reconnect to Joy by Paul Greenberg on November 10th. Which is nonfiction. this book is not a phone goodbye phone hello world features 65 bite-sized device free activities scientifically proven to promote true happiness we keep the dead close a murder at harvard and a half century of silence by becky cooper is true crime out on november 10th we keep the dead close is a memoir of mirrors misogyny and murder it is at once a rumination on the violence and oppression that rules our revered institutions, a ghost story reflecting one young woman's past onto another's present and a love story for a girl who was lost to history. Troubles in Paradise by Anthony Horowitz is a mystery and thriller also out on November 10th and is the sequel to Magpie Murders. We have Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho on November 10th, which is nonfiction. In Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, Acho takes on all of the questions, large and small, insensitive and taboo, many white Americans are afraid to ask, yet which all Americans need the answers to, now more than ever. November 17th, we have a memoir, A Promised Land by Barack Obama. In the stirring, highly anticipated first volume of his presidential memoirs, Barack Obama tells the story of his improbable odyssey from a young man searching for his identity to the leader of the free world. And finally on November 24th, we have a science fiction title Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline, the highly anticipated sequel to the beloved worldwide bestseller Ready Player One. So I hope these books have given you some ideas for new titles and that you check them out from the library. And if you do, let us know what you think. And I'll see you back here next month.
1: Thank you very much, Katie. Now, in addition to all the great books that are being published in November, uh, November is also, of course, the time where many of us celebrate Thanksgiving. And now with all this talk about food and Thanksgiving coming up, I thought it would be fun to ask our podcast contributors, do you have any favorite food-related books or even films? A favorite cookbook, maybe, or a culinary memoir, a collection of gastronomic essays, a documentary, or a TV series. And here's what they had to say, starting with Jessica.
0: Hello, L-Town Radio listeners. Look, I don't cook well. In fact, I've been banned from making pancakes inside my home. It's a long story. But that being said, I really enjoyed Snoop Dogg's cookbook, The Kitchen, I think his friendship with Martha Stewart really shines through in this cookbook and it's full of yummy comfort food that I wish I could make without the possibility of potentially burning down the house or making a mess across the stove. One day when I sit down to become the chef that I always dreamed of being, this will be the cookbook that I take my recipes from.
3: Bye. Hi everyone, it's Katie here. When Joe asked the question, do you have any favorite food-related books or films or music? It's silly, but the first thing that popped into my head was the pizza in Home Alone. And then I sat there thinking, no, there's got to be something better. I even turned to Joe and said, this is my first instinct, but I'm going to think of something better. Well, it's been about... Two hours after they sent the email, and I still haven't thought of anything better. I really just love Home Alone for the two meals that Kevin eats. The first one, the beginning, is the pizza scene with the family, and they're all eating this super cheesy, amazing looking pizza that always makes me crave pizza. And then later in the movie, when Kevin is home by himself, obviously, Home Alone, the movie title. And he doesn't know how to cook, so he just heats himself up a microwavable macaroni and cheese, which, to be honest, macaroni and cheese is my favorite food of all time, but I don't typically love the microwavable version. But no matter, if I'm watching that movie, I just automatically start craving microwavable macaroni and cheese. So I know it's silly, but that's my answer, and I'm going to stick to it. And if you haven't seen Home Alone or you want to check it out again, just remember you can always go to livingstonlibrary.org, search Home Alone, and
4: request it through the catalog.
3: See you next month. This is
4: Anna Coates, Head of Youth Services at the Livingston Public Library. One of my favorite bakers is the Boston-based baker Joanne Chang, owner of Flower Bakery. I first discovered Joanne Chang when she beat Bobby Flay on... Throwdown with Bobby Flay for her sticky buns back in 2007, and I've been a fan ever since. Before this pandemic, I went to Boston about once a year, and I always ate at one of her flour bakery locations and also her sit-down restaurant, Myers and Chang. Luckily, all of her cookbooks are available physically at the Livingston Public Library, and most of them are available on Hoopla with your Livingston Library card. Her first cookbook is called Flour, spelled F-L-O-U-R, and features different dessert recipes that her bakery is known for. Her second cookbook is called Flour 2, spelled F-L-O-U-R-T-O-O. This cookbook features more savory items, Sandwiches, soups, quiches, this sort of things, with a few dessert items. Her next cookbook is called Baking with Less Sugar. And some of the desserts in this cookbook, particularly from the chocolate section, taste even more decadent to me than the full sugar versions, probably because the ingredients can stand out more. She also has a cookbook featuring recipes from her fusion restaurant, Myers & Chang, called Myers and Chang at Home. All four of these cookbooks are available on Hoopla with your Livingston Library card, as well as as physical books in the Livingston Library. Her newest book is called Pastry Love. I haven't checked this one out yet, but I'm going to be sure to check it out so I can cook up some delicious desserts for Thanksgiving.
2: Hello again, this is Archana. Now food and gathering over food is of course an important part of Thanksgiving and all holiday traditions. Before I introduce a food related program for November, I wanted to share with you a couple of my favorite food related viewings. Now I enjoy watching food travelogues like the ones so engagingly presented by the late Anthony Bourdain or the Ugly Delicious series on Netflix. But there's one food series that I've watched in its entirety that is called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat that follows chef and author Samin Nusrat around the world as she explores the four main elements of good kick cooking. Now, this show is based on Nusrat's James Beard award winning book of the same name, which the library does own in hard copy, and it's also available on uh, Overdrive in both ebook and audiobook formats. The basic premise of the book and show is to master the use of just four elements. Salt, which enhances flavor. Fat, which delivers flavor and generates texture. Acid, which balances flavor. And heat, which ultimately determines the texture of food. And anything you cook will be delicious. I like the look and the vibe of the show and its light-hearted approach to kitchen science that helps to demystify the four elements of good cooking for everyone. It is also less focused on famous people and dishes and much more concerned with finding a common ground between all the great food communities of the world. The show also treats home cooks with the same level of respect as restaurant chefs. One food-themed movie I really enjoyed and uh, which I wanted to share with you is called The Hundred Foot Journey. This was released in 2015 and based on a novel of the same name by Richard C. Moray This is a sweet and savoury treat of a film where French hot cuisine and Indian cooking first clash and then they deliciously meld. It tells the story of Hassan Kadam. He's an extraordinarily talented and largely self-taught culinary novice. Displaced from their native India, the Kadam family start a new life and family restaurant, Maison Mumbai, in a quaint and picturesque village in the south of France. They find themselves in a heated battle of wills and wit, fueled by cultural differences with Madame Melroy played by actress Helen Mirren, who is the chili proprietress and the chef of a Michelin-starred classical French restaurant located just 100 feet away. Hassan's passion for French cuisine and for Madame Mallory's enchanting sous-chef combine with his mysteriously delicious talent to weave magic between the two cultures. And ultimately, Madame Mallory takes him under her wing. The movie has been directed by Lassie Hallstrom, who also directed another foodie favourite, Chocolat. So this amiable, light-hearted foodie drama shows off both the French and Indian cultures and cuisines and their differences. Yet, it reveals how the love and passion for food, for making and serving it, can help to overcome these differences. Now, the library has the DVD in its collection, and uh, as well as the book on which it is based. Now, This leads me to introduce uh, the November food related program. This is on November 18th at 7 p.m. and it's called Dishing Up New Jersey. Join author John Hall as he takes a culinary journey through the state of New Jersey to talk about recipes, the importance of traditions and the flavors that bring everyone to the table. The talk is inspired by John's book, Dishing Up New Jersey, for which he searched the 21 counties to find the best recipes that New Jersey has to offer. The recipes celebrate the foods, flavors, cultures, and traditions of the Garden State, and they feature the state's melting pot. And they also feature New Jersey's local produce, tomatoes, corn, cranberries, blueberries, and apples. From practical recipes that evoke strong memories to ones that are fun to make together, This talk, presented via Zoom, will delve into how to make the most of our time together in the kitchen and show why New Jersey is the best food state. So please make sure to sign up for this program and hope to see you in the Zoom chat room for this one. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Archana. As for me, I can sum up all my favorite food media in just two names. Anthony Bourdain and Padma Lakshmi. Type either of their names into the catalog search on our website, and whatever book or TV series that comes up with either of their names on it will be one of my favorite things, and I highly recommend it. Well, that'll do it for our November episode. Thank you to Archana, Jessica, Katie, and Anna for your contributions this month. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in, and I hope you'll tune in again next month. As always, you can listen and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget, you can follow us all over the internet on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, not to mention our daily blog, which is at blog.livingstonlibrary.org. And of course, we hope you'll come visit us in person since we are very much open. We do contactless pickup on Mondays 10 to 8 and Thursdays 10 to 5. When you can come in, grab books you've reserved with us online. Our browse and borrow days are Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 10 to 5, and Wednesdays from 10 to 8. That's where you can come in to pick your reserved books up or just look around and see what's on the shelves. Our website, livingstonlibrary.org, has all our social distancing policies and other relevant information, including a link to our event calendar where you can check out and register for all our upcoming programs. And until next time, be safe, be kind, and always be curious.